Hey everyone, guess what episode it is today? It's our Jane Eyre episode, yay! <laughs> today we are going to talk about <laughs> Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester from Jane Eyre. Yes, Charlotte Bronte, my hero. <laughs> so I forced Devin to read my favorite book, Jane Eyre. He didn't Eyre. force me, but well, I, I read it. It was good. <laughs> well, I read it. It was good. So we did one of Devin's picks last time, which was Where yep. the Crawdads Sing. And Crawdads today sing. is one of my picks, which is Jane Eyre. And the question is, do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hey guys, welcome to the We Ship It podcast. I'm Devin. And I'm Steph. So, as we mentioned earlier, we are discussing Jane and Rochester from Jane Eyre. This is a beloved tale for many reasons, and we will be discussing uh, in detail a little bit later on the reasons why we find it so attracting um, as readers and mm-hmm. why has this become such a classic for the romantic and gothic genre? The classic, yes. So Jane Eyre has always been one of my guilty pleasures. It's kind of one of those stories that I can never put down once I start it. Um, I reread it just this past week using Audible, which I love audiobooks. I didn't think I would, but I do. <laughs> and much to my hubby's dismay, I listened to all 20 hours in only a few days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so there are many reasons to love Jane Jane Eyre, you know, Jane Eyre the person and also Jane Eyre the book. Um, But the main one, I think the main reason that people come back to this story is the relationship between Jane and Rochester. Mm -hmm. I mean, dang, (laughs) the passion, the mystery. It's freaking incredible. Um, The two of them, while probably not the healthiest little couple, um, they make me like so happy. I just I can't even. So. Without further ado, we are going to hop into our episode. Yeah, so uh, just a warning before we get started, as always, spoiler alert. Spoilers. Um, Jane Eyre does tend to be more of a classically well-known tale, but in case you never read it. Which you, and you should. Intend to, yes, you mm-hmm. should. Uh, we are going into detail about the plot, so listen with caution. <laughs> Yep. Okay. So let's hop into our summary. Uh, Jane grows up a shy orphan, but always with a sense of justice. Her aunt Reed takes her in and treats her pretty much horribly until she turns out. Um, she turns her out Jane. of the house to go to Lowood School. Poor little Jane. Um, she meets all sorts of interesting characters there, and she grows into a young woman, eventually teaching at the school. Um, eventually after that, she decides to leave and tutor a young girl named Adele at an estate called Thornfield. She thinks it's under the care of Mrs. Fairfax, but it's actually, she learns later, Mr. Rochester's house and his housekeeper is Mrs. Fairfax. Mr. Rochester is a typical Darcy type. He's a single dude, or at least we think at first, um, with a more mysterious (laughs) side to him and a tad bit darker than Darcy outlook. He's twice Jane's age. However, Jane eventually starts to fall in love with him, which shocker there. Uh, (laughs) The two kind of go back and forth. Mr. Rochester brings Blanche Ingram in. This is the woman he tells Jane he's going to marry. Eventually, he like does this whole thing where he tricks her into admitting or almost admitting her feelings for him when he dresses up as a fortune teller, like an old (laughs) woman. It's a weird thing. Um, But, (laughs) you know, 
So it's a whole, it's a strange thing. There's also a looming mystery throughout the novel of this demon-like person who kind of lives in the house or like a ghost or something. Jane can't figure out what it is. But there are all these strange moments where people almost die. Things are lit on fire. There's a strange laugh. Jane's very curious about it. But eventually, you know, this kind of subsides and Rochester asks Jane to marry him, which is a huge shock because Jane comes back one day from doing something and Rochester and her have this scene in the garden at night and it's like, yes. And then they come in and Mrs. Fairfax is like, <laughs> ew, I don't know about this. <laughs> but um, so basically they, she says yes. But then she finds out on their wedding day that the demon-like creature that's been haunting Thornfield is actually Rochester's crazy wife that he yes. has locked up because naturally that's what happens. You know. Um, so Jane leaves. She ends up begging for food until this little family, Mary, Diana, and St. John. I guess it's St. John. It says St. John, but it said yeah, St. John. Sinjin, whatever that is. Um, they take her in, and she has a brief interest, not really interest in St. John, but just like Sinjin. I'm not going to say it right the entire time. But <laughs> she has a brief, they have a brief interest, um, and then he asks her to go with him as his it's wife, but not really like a loving wife, as someone to just take with him as a partner on right. this mission trip. And she declines and heads back to Rochester, who has lost his home. And his eyesight, uh, because Bertha burned it down. So then Jane and Rochester marry, and they live happily ever after, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't know. At the end, that's how she kind of explains it. But we have a lot to a very, dig through. It's a very quick epilogue for such it a long It really tale. is very quick. So we have a lot to, to sort of dive into with all of that. So mm -hmm. with that, let's go to our first question. You got it. Um, I know. I'm excited. Um, so in the novel, Jane literally does a side-by-side -side comparison of herself and and Blanche Ingram for the affection of Mr. Rochester. What's wrong with this image, Devin? What does the drawing not show of Blanche? So for me, this whole situation is wrong. Um, I know I'm going to say this, but also fall victim to it myself, as it is a natural flaw of society, but no one mm. should really compare themselves to someone else. You were innately made for something great, and it is not to match yourself side by side with your neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, love yourself and appreciate yourself for who you are. Um, it's also important to note that everyone is self-conscious about some aspect of themselves. And if they say they're not, they're lying. Mm -hmm. um, so while Blanche might have had the beauty that Jane did not possess, her heart was blackened by her pride and her self-righteousness. Um, she was raised a snob and Rochester saw through her masquerade. And even her name kind of points, clues the readers into her character. I mean, we got mm -hmm. Blanche and you kind of get this cold um, with no real personality <laughs> kind of vibe. I to don't it. like her. I don't like her at she's all. She's just rude oh. and decisive and um, she's just rude and divisive um, as a person. And you can't get those qualities into a drawing. So that those are the things that Jane is missing from the drawing when she does that side by side comparison of herself. Like you don't get her actual character. You just get her mm -hmm. vision that someone else told her about. Yeah, and I think that's like what society of this time put a lot of stock in was your beauty and the outward signs of your of your beauty, like like your physical attractiveness, but also mm -hmm. your money and the things that people could see that labeled you as a good partner. Um, and that's why you, re you really should never compare yourself with another person. First of all, because we're all worthy of love for different reasons. Um, but I think, uh, amen, amen. Um, <laughs> but, but I think um, ultimately what the picture doesn't capture 
is all those things that you said. The inward beauty that I think Mr. Rochester, he, he catches in Jane almost immediately when right. he meets her the first time that they talk. Jane here, by by creating this potential photo of what Blanche might look like, I think here it shows a bit of her jealousy. And I know Jane, she she's, it, she's she innately a very... She says she's not jealous, but she totally She says is. it. She says it. <laughs> she's innately a very just person. She's, she's very upright. And you wouldn't think of someone like that who has jealousy issues but I, I think that the only way to describe exactly like what she's going through and why she would even want to do that is like a jealousy moment mm-hmm. um so but like we said a drawing of Blanche would only include what the outside world already sees which is her beauty but it wouldn't show you what's on the inside the girl who Rochester eventually through really weird means but eventually does seek um through his weird like gypsy woman fortune telling right. thing and other little t- tricks that he plays. Um, these are the ways that he finds out that she only wants his money, which, you know, she she's not in it for love. So that's what the picture no, doesn't and, show. And also because he was older. So she's like, I can get this guy really easily. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Poor freaking Rochester. Yeah. He was going to get swindled, but mm. it's fine. All's oh, well yeah. that ends well. Yes. Um, but next question. Um, is it better to hold on to your crush secretly or to tell someone you're interested in them? I'm always a fan of more communication is better than less. Yes. That's always what I say. Uh, I think there is an art to holding your feelings until someone's ready to receive them. So mm-hmm. there's always there there is a best time to tell someone something. I, I believe that. But for God's sake, I was so ready for Jane just to tell the guy <laughs> and even vice versa feeling. for Rochester as well. Yes, and he but he played her. He loved yeah. the little chase. I think that that was his thing. Jane was like, I just don't think he likes me. So, like she literally right. was like, I'm not going to tell him cuz there's no reason. But Rochester was like, I'm going to be a jerk. <laughs> um, but so <laughs> um that would have been in her nature though, like Jane not telling him right off the bat, which makes her that's what makes her so great is her nature. Mm-hmm. Um but I couldn't keep my secrets for as long as they did. I think that they held them the whole the, the part where they were like going back and forth and like not sure if the other person liked them, that was such a huge part of the book. Like so such a long it really at least was. it felt really long. Um but yeah, what mm-hmm. do you think, Devin? So <laughs> this is just a- <laughs> This is a bad question for me because I am notorious for not expressing my feelings if I have a crush on someone. And you probably know that just as well as I do. Uh, so I don't know if it's the nerves or being fearful of what the other person might think mm. or what. But I never approach the subject until like I get a little bit of a clue that they are so learn from well. this freaking couple that I frustrated know. the hell out of us. So <laughs> let me tell you, like, don't. If you're listening, do not follow my <laughs> footsteps. <laughs> if you think it's bad holding on to your feelings, then watch that person walk away and start dating someone else, and then you're really going to feel oh, the sting. Damn it, no. um, but so time is precious, and why waste it hiding your feelings when you could be experiencing something so much more? Um, so those are my thoughts. Like I don't like the cat and mouse kind of thing, even mm. though I kind of not necessarily. I don't play it, but I also we just can't blame them. Don't express myself like right. I should. I don't think that we can blame Jane for a lot of <clears throat> her fear with it. I think we can blame Rochester I mean, yeah, for being because weird. because it's, bo- it's her boss and right. someone older, so she would naturally have those yep. 
timid But then again, feelings. once you get the sense that maybe it's reciprocated, I think it's important to address it. Either to say, yeah. let's no, go through 100%. with this, or either to say, like, let's not go through with this and make mm-hmm. sure we don't. Like, <laughs> um, But yeah, so those are my main thoughts on that. More communication is better than less, but there is a better time Perfect. than not. Okay, onward. So... Question number three. Is it true that beauty is in the eye of the beholder? What a question. (laughs) Uh, So for me, I think absolutely. Um, Both Rochester and Jane knew that they were not the cream of the crop. Multiple times. At least in beauty. In in beauty. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Multiple times they tell each other that they are not the most handsome lad or the prettiest girl (laughs) they have ever seen. And... It even has me laughing sometimes when they would outright say this to each other. Um, I think I would be offended, but they know and they don't care. (laughs) I love that. They see the beauty that lies within and the beauty and this beauty emanates from the inside out. And it's really Mm -hmm. touching. And I can only hope that I find someone who sees me in the same manner. Um, One of my favorite moments um, with these two is when Rochester tells Adele that he wants to marry Jane in the carriage. I know. And he wants to take her to the moon. And it's just a, such a Stop cute Stop it, Rochester. Blah. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> Me too. I think, yeah, like beauty is definitely in the eye of the beholder. I think the beauty can be judged in different ways based on the priorities of the beholder. So, you know, like we were talking about Rochester and Jane always say that they don't think each other pretty or handsome, Mm -hmm. but their beauty, their attraction comes from something within them. That's what makes them such a great couple. First of all, their banter is amazing and sometimes way too intelligent and so vague, but so (laughs) eluding that it's like almost hot sometimes. I'm like, whoa, these two. But there's something even just besides their banter. It's not even just like a lusty thing. I, I think that they truly see each other they see each other. They see the real nature of the other person and they they love them for that and they consider that person beautiful even if they're not ex- on the exterior beautiful. <laughs> right. Just like how Rochester sees through the, the showiness of, of Blanche, Blanche mm-hmm. he's able to see mm-hmm. the purity and just the honest nature of Jane. So I think that's really I cool how Jane. he's able to see right through people. You could do an entire episode on just Jane. I mean, not for this podcast, but you could do an entire podcast <laughs> on just Jane, honestly. <laughs> Question number four. If Rochester truly has feelings for Jane, which is apparent early on, mm-hmm. what prevents him from acting on it? Uh, you know, I think Rochester sort of saw it as a game. I mentioned this before, but, you know, <laughs> I, I think, sure, there may have been some element in his heart like, oh, maybe I could be with Blanche. I really don't, to keep up his appearances, but I really don't think that was ever a true thought on his mind. I think more likely he was just stringing Jane along, along because he enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I can't speak the right now. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> um, no, I don't need to say that again, but I can't speak right now for some reason. <laughs> but he loved seeing Jane struggle with her feelings for him. He even mm-hmm. re- he reveals this later when he's like, I watched you from the time you came in sort of start to get feelings for me. And it was so like enjoyable. And that's why I fell in love with you. And I was just like, Rochester, you girl. Um, but basically, you know, I think that he was trying to see if she would break and tell him about her feelings for him. That's what he did with the whole weird gypsy thing. That's what Mm, he was doing mm -hmm. every time he was luring her to talk to him. Um, I I think that that's 
really why he he refrained from acting on it. I also, I think that he felt he owed her an explanation of some of the mystery in his life, like about Bertha. But I think ultimately he chose not to tell her that, and that was a weakness on his part. But I think that that may have had something to do with him feeling that he wasn't worthy for her of her until he told her the truth. Right. So from what I've noticed, um, I see two main obstacles holding him back from acting on his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, one important one is that he is currently tied up with Blanche, as we said. Yeah. Um, and instead of ending that, he uses it to his advantage by teasing Jane and making Rochester. her jealous. Um, but he does get caught up in Blanche and has to slowly ease her into not wanting to be with him. Like when he, like we said, as he dresses up as a fortune teller and tells Blanche, like, Rochester isn't as rich as he puts on, blah, 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 blah. Yes. So, uh, the other aspect that holds him back are just his dark secrets. Um, and it takes years for Jane to break down all his walls and unravel the man behind the ugly beast, in a sense. And this man holds some heavy secrets from Adele's mother to his insane wife he hides in the house and on and on and <laughs> on and on. Like he has so many, he has, is, is, he's, he's a cabbage or an onion like a cabbage. Fish, like Shrek. He has multiple You're right, layers. he's an onion, he does. <laughs> oh um, and in order to <laughs> allow himself to love Jane deeper and vice versa, he needs to reveal all of his dark past and mm-hmm. it's not something that he wants to do early on. Nope. Um, with a Jane. So he kind of just sits back and plays the field and there we go (laughs) and there we go rochester (laughs) oh well okay question five how does the setting of thornfield play a role in their relationship and i think this is hugely important for this tale as well um Mm -hmm. with a lot of gothic stories so what do you think Devin? so for me um thornfield is the main set like i see it as a main setting of the text Mm -hmm. um while jane moves around much of the real plot occurs in this setting um Mm -hmm. so as i was reading i could clearly see how this setting was by far divergent from those of the other places jane has been Mm -hmm. Um, thornfield is the one place where jane feels welcomed and accepted and it's here that she begins to appreciate herself more and form a family unit she can confide in with rochester adele and even mrs Mrs. Uh, Fairfax. Mm-hmm. Um, so they create this family unit that she appreciates and enjoys. Uh, another part of the setting um, is the orchard or the garden area. Um, and I, this is a driving force. It's what pushes Rochester and Jane's relationship. I love um, that. Many of their iconic or more romantic conversations happen in this orchard. And it is here that lightning strikes the tree, which thus foreshadows their eventual break and the destruction of the house. So it kind of the house is a part of them in some nature. Um, And even at the end where the house must crumble and fall, like they're able to find themselves within the woods and Mm -hmm. um, build a life for themselves together. Um, Lastly, we also have the separate area of Thornfield that is filled with secrets. The third story is here where Rochester hides his his mentally unstable wife, Bertha, from the outside world and Jane. So this part of the mansion is off limits and it often feels disconnected from the familial nature of the place yep. as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, these were the three main pieces that I saw of Thornfield. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. Thornfield, there are a lot of different parts to Thornfield that I think you could you could analyze each room mm-hmm. basically for things and why it's important. But I think generally, if we're talking about Thornfield Hall itself, um, I think it's it's 
symbolic of the shrouded mystery of Rochester's past. I think mm-hmm. that's the intrigue that starts their relationship, but it also ends it. So Thornfield is is their relationship in the beginning. It's it's this place <laughs> that starts it, but it also ends it. And then eventually when it burns down, it's the liberation of those vague hidden secrets that they're keeping from each other and the beginning of the two of them being open with each other and therefore truly being in love. Whereas before it was more of an attraction. I think once Thornfield, once those mysteries, once those secrets are out of the way, they can truly love themselves um, in an open and honest way. Ironically, though, when they're in that open, that that open, true part of their relationship, that's when Rochester loses his sight. <laughs> so I, I think that that's very interesting. A different conversation interesting. than this question. But, it, but, but his loss of sight allows him to see things differently than what yep. he has before. So that, to I think that's focus it's a on symbolic yeah. loss of blindness. Exactly. I think so too. And that's what Thornfield is. I think as you can see the state of Thornfield, you see the state of their relationship in it. You see this this place shrouded in mystery, um, this this intrigue, like Jane's like, oh, Mr. Rochester. And then as, you know, things start to unfold, Jane leaves Thornfield. Then it burns down. So I think that that's kind of how their relationship goes. <laughs> Moving on. Do you agree with Mrs. Fairfax when she states, all is not gold that glitters? Um, you know, I do in this case. She was 100% right, first of all, about Blanche. And also, yeah, she's I think... she's referring to Blanche at this moment, right? Yeah, I think she's referring to yeah. Blanche, but I think it also is something that Miss Fairfax, Mrs. Fairfax would agree to if she's talking about Rochester, too. When, mm. when Mrs. Fairfax recognizes what's going on between the two, I think she gives Jane the same advice in different words, um, which is, first, that appearances do not make somebody innately and inwardly beautiful. Um, Jane should have taken her advice and understood that things, you know, there were things that her and Rochester needed to sort out. And also that Jane needs to see the value within herself rather than looking at the appearance of uh, this glittering Blanche. Whereas she's not at her core in her heart gold, which is I I think what Mrs. Hart, Mrs. Hart, which is what I think Mrs. Fairfax is trying to say. Um, I think overall, it's fair to make a claim that perfection is not possible here on this earth. And I think that that's what Mrs. Fairfax is trying to say, is that things that appear to be glittering are not always gold. Um, And Jane really needs to be careful in her future giving God status or gold status to a man, um, especially a man such as Rochester, because he's imperfect ultimately. So I think that this advice is, you know, several layers fold of what Jane needs to understand about the world, which is that not everything that looks perfect is. Yeah, and I agree. And that's the same case with um, Sinjin. Um, She notices, yeah, she notices (laughs) how he kind of shines a little bit. I mean, he's to himself. He's very closed off. He's very cold, Mm -hmm. but he kind of glitters in her mind a sense. Um, But he's not gold. He's not valuable. Like, uh, like in the purest nature mm-hmm. um so i do agree I, so many times we read or we watch a movie or god forbid we see it happen in our own lives where something entices someone a job a relationship a mm-hmm. car whatever and it and it shines on the outside but instead when you get up close to it or you actually start dealing with it right it acts as an anchor and it sinks you to the bottom real quick oh um, yeah so it can kind of be your own downfall um so i think she was kind of giving jane like a hey this could ruin you. This could destroy you. So just be careful. Don't play with things that you shouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily play uh, around with. And um, 
yeah, I, I just think that she was, it was a warning in a sense, but also just like a thought of wisdom that mm-hmm. she could see through Blanche's character, whereas right. Jane <clears throat> took a little bit more time for her to really see through that as well until right. she started interacting with her. Right. No, you're 100% right. Okay. So moving on to number seven, Devin. How does Mr. Rochester want to treat Jane as his wife? And how does Jane want to be treated in return? Um, So he essentially wants to treat her like royalty and pay for fancy dresses and give her fancy jewelry, send Adele away so she doesn't have to worry about teaching her. Um, He wants to make her life as enjoyable and carefree as possible. And Jane's like, whoa, hold up. (laughs) No, sir. <laughs> this is not what I asked for in saying yes to marry you. I don't want to be closed up and live like this fake life. Um, I want my freedom. I want to do what I want to do. I want to. I want to do what brings me joy and follow my passion. And she immediately starts doubting their marriage. And um, like that's the. I think that's the turn where she's like, ah, I don't know if I want this. Yep. I'm back yep. now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, Rochester kind of wants to treat her like a little doll. He wants to give her everything. Mm-hmm. Which is sweet. And Jane's just not that kind of person. It's very sweet, but he he basically acts when he first when they first mm-hmm. get engaged. Like he just got engaged to Blanche. Yeah. That's what he acts like. He acts like he he's he's trying to woo this woman with diamonds and dresses and Jane's just like, "Nah, I, I want to own I want to yeah, I want to work. I still want to like get my my you know make my and that's wages. Where she gets her and it's joy just too. like like she finds joy in yep. being with Adele and teaching her, and like that's her passion. Yep. So why take that away from her? Yeah, and you can see that right in the beginning when they go on that first carriage mm-hmm. ride to go get dresses. When he's like, "I don't want Adele to come," and she's like, "I want Adele to come." She has what to do you go. mean? <laughs> and then he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No," and she's like, "Yes," and then. Adele does come. So it just, it kind of shows you like what's going to happen. I do think though, after Jane goes away and she comes back, I think Rochester loves her better than that. I think I he knows at that Adele point that this end, is a wild thing. She kind of gets the shaft. Me too. I know. I mean, Adele. I mean, they, Adele I mean, the they welcome her time. back at the end, but you, you don't get a complete story with her. Besides, no, like, you really oh, don't. Yeah, and she grew up to be a wonderful lady and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. Give me more. I know. I feel like Adele just like the whole time is sort of a pawn mm. piece that we don't. She doesn't. She, she gets she a little presents. That, from she Rochester. says that one line in French where, where she like comes out in a dress and she's like, "Don't I look like my mom?" And Ms. Rochester's like, "Yes," <laughs> and it breaks my heart. Like she's such a sweet, sweet girl. I know. I know. This and Rochester's like, thing. "I want nothing to do with you. Go on. Bye bye." Yeah, exactly. This poor thing, but but we could go yeah, into Adele for a very long time. <laughs> Anyways, um, moving forward, would marrying Rochester <laughs> be the freedom and escape Jane always wanted, or does she see it as something else? Does this mm. change as the text comes to a conclusion? This is a great question. I feel like I know that you wrote this question, Devin, and I feel like it's leading a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit of a leading question. But um, so it really did make me think, though. So that's why it's a great one. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think to Jane, Rochester gives her a sort of freedom um, 
from this oppressive world of injustice and society levels and things. I think being with him, she's allowed to be herself. That's the freedom that comes with it. She's allowed to speak her mind and she's allowed to to be herself in other in, whereas in other places she's not allowed. Um that is that's how it is until they're mm-hmm. engaged for the first time. Like we're talking about, you know, he starts acting differently, uh, trying just basically to rushedly marry her before she finds yeah. out about Bertha. Um, I think in the end, the two do set each other free from a sort of torment that they have, you know, Jane from the harshness of societal norms that don't make sense to her justice palette. Um And Rochester is set free by Jane from a crazy and unhealthy marriage and just like the torment of his mind. I think that they they give each other peace and solace. Um, Overall, I do take issue with Jane just desiring the construct of marriage in general. I I don't I mean, I know that she she does she does conform to to certain things about society because of the way because of the way the things that they mean. But I, I think sometimes it's it's hard. I don't know if it matches her personality yeah, because sometimes I feel I, like it fits her perfectly, but sometimes with. I think it doesn't. Yeah. So my perspective changes a lot. Yeah. So I also like I had a hard time with Jane sometimes. Like she's all mm-hmm. about and and I like her, but like she's she throws me sometimes. So she's all about being free and speaking her mind and making her own choices, but she also seeks love and has a desire to get married. Specifically to Rochester, mm-hmm. which is just, I feel like that goes against what, it doesn't fit with who she is as a person, as her character. And mm-hmm. that shows when she first gets engaged to Rochester. She doesn't want the life he envisions for her. He places her in a beautiful box or this cage. Um, so she confuses me at times in these regards. Yeah. But her ideals do change more or less because Rochester's heart also changes. But yeah. she does change and she finally gets a relationship of equality between lovers. Where, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily equal because right. he's now almost at her will, like, please help me. I'm blind. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if that's necessarily equal or not. But Right. It's It's a tough thing because you see... At one point, Jane is indebted to Mr. Mm-hmm. Rochester for a job. And then at one point, Mr. Rochester is indebted to her for taking care of him when he's blind. It's like, they're never truly equal. Yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. But he is broken <laughs> and in need too. of her aid. And she is respectful. Um, and she's respected for her individuality and in in when she comes back yes. to him. But I do have just like weird, like... I get it, but I also like don't get it at the same time. She kind of confuses yeah. me in those regards, but I think what draws me to their characters, and I'm going to talk more about this later, is not like the fairness of this relationship. Which sometimes you'll see a relationship, and you're like, "That is well rounded. That is healthy. That is beautiful. That is pure. That's what draws me to it." I don't think that that's this relationship. I think that this one has a lot more to do with passion, and I think that's why a lot more people while confused about it and kind of concerned about it, um, also really love it, which is a sickening thing to about our society to hear <laughs> that people are like, this, this, this is, is what, what I, I want. And it's like, oh, this is not what you want. Um, but, but really like I, and we'll talk more later because I have some quotes and things that really stick to me. Um, about the two of them. Mm-hmm. But I think that more than anything, this this couple doesn't call to people because of their health and their relationship balance. So <laughs> that's something to keep in mind yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
But okay, next question. And this one's a good mm-hmm. one too. I just love these questions. But what is the greater purpose of Bertha in the novel? What do you think about the crazy lady upstairs? <laughs> so Bertha, what a curveball this one was. Um, like I knew there was definitely something fishy going on with the third story. Like I was getting Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast vibes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, Bertha. Anyway, Bertha, um, Bertha, Bertha. I see her acting in two ways. The first is as a foil for Jane. So Jane, Jane is uh, mentally sharp and witty, and her mm-hmm. heart is huge. Whereas Bertha is ill in the cranium and wants to destroy Rochester and his happiness. Yep. Um, I also see how Bertha, like she's a manifestation of Jane's subconsciousness and her feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the embodiment of all of Jane's pent up frustration and feelings of imprisonment for her future marriage mm-hmm. to Rochester. While she declares her love for Rochester, she secretly hides her fears of marriage and her anger boils over yep. through Bertha as she is able as she is able to express these feelings. Oh, that's good. That's a good analysis there. I didn't even think like, of that. When she wants to strangle Rochester because like you're treating me like this, I don't deserve this or I want I want what I right. want and Bertha's like ah, da, da, da. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like she she's able uh, she's really able good. to do what Jane <laughs> is not wanting to express. So that's that's how I see Bertha. Yeah. I think that you hit the nail on the head, really. Bertha gives me trouble because I... (laughs) It's so unjust the way that she's treated. But I I just need to say that. We could talk about it, but uh, I just need to say it so everyone knows that I have a problem with this whole plot line. I mean, poor Um, Rochester having to go through this... Poor Bertha, for, uh, absolutely. But like poor, Both poor Rochester them. <laughs> for like being tricked into it, and then having to deal with. Um, I know. Moving on and going, um, like just having random like flirts and that kind of thing, and then getting betrayed by uh, Adele's mom, uh, Adele dropping this girl on his doorstep. <laughs> like, oh my god! I just the guy's been through a lot, but like not, I said, we can go through all of the problems. After this, but he finds it in Jane, no. which is which is sweet. no. Which is sweet. Um, I feel bad for him, but I also, I just feel bad for I Bertha. Know, I Bertha. To say that. Um, but ultimately what Bertha represents, mm-hmm. if we're going to talk her point in the plot and in the novel, are the hidden flaws of Rochester to me. I think, you know, it. this is what tests his character. And in the end, he loses. Well, at first he loses, not in the end. So when, when he refuses to tell Jane about this, um, it, it's sort of the truth will out sort of thing like Rochester should have been honest with her from the beginning and because he wasn't this demonic person came out and literally in front of Jane's eyes showed her the secret that he was keeping um he needed to tell her about it and he failed uh but that's really all I have to say I think you hit the nail on the head like you said I just I wish we could talk more about like Bertha because she's an interesting character that actually a lot of people have taken great pain to analyze yeah. um, a lot of like lit crit no that's what I enjoy themes. that's what I'm enjoying about this is like um, in the classroom I get to like talk ask questions and we'll talk it out as a class and you get to hear different opinions so that's what I enjoy about this is like I get to hear your opinion and that kind of thing but I wish we were able to do mm-hmm. more because I just want to like analyze it fully every yeah. piece yeah <laughs> but for sure <laughs> regardless um, moving on to number 10 um, why is Jane's departure from Thornfield necessary? Apart from the fact that she needs a break <laughs> and a change of scenery. 
Um, you know, she's been bogged down in Thornfield secrets for yeah. some time. Um, you know, not only was this whole thing with Rochester just mind blowing to her, but I think that was the breaking point. I think for a long time she'd been like, who the heck is Grace Poole? <laughs> What's going on? Am I going to die? Like, I think she needed to leave before she could make a, a true and good decision. Um, and before that, she she could decide whether or not Rochester was right for her. I know that's not the point in her leaving. Mm-hmm. She really leaves to leave forever. But the, for plot purposes, she needs to grow as right. a person. That's why she leaves. She needs to see the world from some other perspective. Um, you know, and she ends up meeting some other people who who um, bring out a different side to her. I, like I said, she has this innate justice. She meets these people who are purely called to to service and justice. Um, and Jane has these two sides. She has this myster- mysterious and passionate side, but she also has this service and justice-oriented side. And she sees both mm-hmm. extremes. Rochester brings her to one extreme and St. John or whatever brings her to the other extreme. So she has to make a decision. Do I want to go in this way with this person where I'm going to be making a lasting impact in the world but not feeling love? Or do I want to succumb to the ultimate love? Right. Um, and we're going to get to and, that. And I think that that's a well, symbolic a growth. Deeper, but, yeah, exactly. Um, but I agree. What I think, think it was totally for character growth. Um, not only does she mm-hmm. have to have, um, I'll repeat that. Not only does she just have to experience more of the world um, before just succumbing to the marriage of Rochester, but she also has to grow as a person and experience more mm-hmm. of who she is. Um, now that she's experienced love and the feeling of home um, and a unity, she has to love herself and reject Rochester, no matter how hard it hurts, because she knows she's not capable of letting him rule over her. Um, it's also necessary for Rochester too to grow as well and to know how good he mm-hmm. had it with her. Um, oh, to yes. know that if you try and tame something that is untamable, it will kind of run away from you. Um, yeah. If you try to mold something that just has an innate sense of justice and an innate sense of independence, you're yeah. not going to win. Um, okay. Next question. How does Jane's servitude to St. John differ from that of Rochester? That being said, how does their love for Jane herself differ? <laughs> uh, can I just say how much I hated St. John? <laughs> uh, I mean, he wasn't terrible, but like he's, he kind of sucked. He, Everyone doesn't like He just like felt Sinjin. like a very bland character and I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He treats Jane, but he does treat Jane as an equal. Um, in teaching mm-hmm. and learning together as one. Um, but he does not have the same love for her that Rochester does. Mm-hmm. It's not... Uh, he wants to marry her out of um, his own selfish reasons, not out of love. Um, mm-hmm. They are foils. Rochester and Sinjin are foils for each other in their fiery versus cold character creation or mm-hmm. their passion versus principle and ideals. Um, like, Rochester's always thought about having like this fire behind him behind his eyes where um sinjin's always thought about having this cold demeanor um and one rules off of passion and doing what he wants to do and the other rules off sinjin rules off of um i'm going to be a noble person and i have principles and i need to follow through with what god asks for me um so it kind of like you said earlier, like it kind of deviates, it kind of pulls um, Jane in two different directions of like, what am I mm-hmm. going to do? Am I going to follow my heart or am I going to follow what could be more right for the world? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I think Sinjin is here simply to offer the reader a look at two different lives that Jane mm-hmm. could lead. We talked about it before, but the justice and servitude versus her passion and that little bit of darkness bought, yeah, that Jane Yeah, I just Jane never bought has. into the Sinjin and Jane relationship. Like, I just didn't mm-hmm. feel it. Me neither. It's not a relationship. It's a partnership. Right, that's true. I think it's more of like a like a business transaction. <laughs> he offers her a way to completely. I know it's gross, but he offers her a way to completely. Yeah, take he has out he has no heart and follow in the him. matter. He's just like I want you because I want you. Yep. Like there's no there's no exactly. feelings behind it. I just want you because it's, it's gross. It's what I want. <laughs> it's gross, but ultimately, like while I completely reject that, and I, I think that she chooses Rochester because she wants that ultimate love, no mm-hmm. matter how messed up that love is. Um, I would be interested to see how you know Jane turned out if she did give Sinjin a chance. I, I oh. know I, I I wouldn't oh. like it. I wouldn't. In my heart wouldn't like it. But I, I don't know if she she wouldn't be Yikes. happy. But she would be accomplishing a lot. Yeah, wouldn't I guess she? she does have that. Uh, caring and teacher and I'm going to yeah. do what's right and um, just that caring personality so she does have that but like she wouldn't He's she gross. wouldn't be happy she wouldn't and... do it no she wouldn't be happy at all I just think it would be interesting like to see like because because he brings out such a divide in her I think it would be interesting to see no, both I agree. sides and it would, see like it would, de- what it would definitely be like if it, if it would have continued just a little bit further she would have gone on like some mm-hmm. small trip with him and see like yep. I feel like that might have been like a little bit more of a deter to see which one mm-hmm. would she have chosen right no exactly that's cool good okay. thought good thought Steph yeah Good thought, good thought. <laughs> All right. Next. Do you agree that it is only after coming to know oneself and one's own strength that one can enter wholly into a well-rounded and loving relationship with another? Yes. I can't <laughs> say more. Okay. I think with this book, even more importantly so, it's important to know yourself and reveal all the parts of yourself to another. Um, so... You can't just hide those parts that you are afraid of and expect to have a healthy marriage. That's why it's important that Jane ends up leaving and coming back. You know, they both have to change before getting married. So go on. What What do you think about that, Devin? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's so important to know and love yourself. And it's essential to do so before you start a relationship. Um, Jane comes to this realization just later in the novel. Um when she ultimately decides to leave Thornfield. She says, I care for myself. The more solitary, the more friendless, the more unsustained I am, the more I will respect myself. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, so, but I also believe that you learn to love yourself more by loving someone else, Um, by letting Mm -hmm. walls down that you also guarded your own self against. Like, I think there's a openness to love that will also Mm -hmm. help you love yourself more in the same way yep no i i totally agree i i think that it's a great question but i think as far as jane and rochester go um neither of them knew themselves very well until the end but it took working together to find it out so that's that's also good um but our last Last question as usual do we ship it devin what do you think I do. Um, so 
<laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Skeptical. <laughs> uh, I have mixed feelings about Jane at some points, like I said earlier, but I do. Um, we see this beast of a man lose everything, mm-hmm. and Jane returns to find him broken and in pain. And yet their love heals him, and he even begins to see that he has a future. Um, he has a future with his new baby, um, and he he doesn't look back on the past, the dark and destructive past that he has had to live with. Mm-hmm. Um Jane helps make him whole again, uh, similar to what we talked about with mm-hmm. Peta and Katniss. And I love yes. that. Um, they kind of help repair each other and become one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. Go with that. I think it's cool, too. And I freaking do shit I know this. you do. And I, it probably this, comes this, from... You, my, do, you, you know I do. <laughs> I, I know, but it probably comes from my passionate mm-hmm. side because ultimately I know that they're not the healthiest. Um, I can certainly tell you that. Um but there's something so real about their interactions, you know, how they describe that underlying soul string that keeps them together. It's absolutely real. And it pulls you in as a reader because you want to discover something that deep as a person, whether or not it be a relationship or a friendship or something. I always believed that we have what we call soul partners, um, just people that no matter how long that we spend apart or no matter you know where we go and what we do, we can connect on that very same level without having to do any work because we're connected in some way. We're bonded in some way. And I, I think the way Bronte writes these two, it's as if they're one mm-hmm. person because they ultimately have their souls joined in that way. And, and when, we, when, we, when they leave each other, you feel the, that, that that string is being cut. Like you, you hear oh, it in Rochester's cool. voice, yeah, how he's broken by it. Um, and, and it's haunting. So more than anything, I, I just love what Bronte gave to the characters. I, I think she does the do a very good job in developing characters, um, whether or not you does. like them or not. She does a good job in developing their it's great characters. I Bronte is one of those deep, dark, like wells of purely amazing Gothic <laughs> literature. And, I think that even though their relationship is, you know, sort of dark and might be construed as unhealthy in certain ways, I can't help but ship it because of the way that she writes them. Um, but so those are my thoughts on that, as you already knew. <laughs> okay, so now we will hop over to some comments from our readers or our listeners in a sense. Um, the first <laughs> is from Teresa. So I will read that for you. I like the book and I think their relationship is sweet. At the beginning, I think it's a little weird how flirty he was, but then again, it might have been a sign of the times. Also, that he's her employer. Like, what if they didn't work out? Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) But the end, um, don't want to spoil just in case, really is- (laughs) We already have. Don't worry, worry. Teresa. (laughs) really is very bittersweet and overall the book was good too yes i think that's really funny like it's a small thing but it's true about him being her employer i can't imagine the pressure that put on her as well as such like an innately like just person who probably doesn't think that that's okay um but i guess it was a different time like you said okay so our next comment is from claire thank you claire okay so claire's comments go I love it so much. At first, it is super sad and kind of weird, but I love how it shows that someone can overcome their struggles and circumstances and still live happy, a happy and fulfilled life. 
Also, I really love how Jane goes from being controlled and the relationship being kind of toxic to then being the one who is depended upon. Like it was a total 180 and she couldn't have gone back to the situation if things hadn't changed. You're 100% right, Claire. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. I do think it's interesting that Jane went from being... um, from being the one who was sort of indebted to Rochester and then she was the one taking care of him. I always think that that's an interesting plot point. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Awesome. Thank you, Claire. Um, And now we will announce our next episode. Okay. As you wish, Devin. (laughs) (laughs) So as you guys probably guess, our next episode is going to focus on Buttercup and Wesley from the beloved Princess Bride. This satirical masterpiece tells the tale of a girl and a farm boy falling in love and then falling away from each other only to come back and fight for their love. Yeah. So I'm excited for this one. (laughs) Um, If you have comments or would like to engage with us, find us on social media YouTube or on our website at weshipit.wixsite.com slash weshipit. Or feel free to email us at weshipitpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, thank you all so much for listening to my favorite book episode, uh, My Spirit Addressing Your Spirit. See you next time. (laughs) See you guys. Have a good one.